Last week on the Let's Get Real podcast, we gave you five New Age practices that are in the Christian church. This week, as I mentioned last week, that each of those probably could have a podcast of its own, and I'm going to springboard off of that very thought with one that is very much in many, many churches today, and it is this thing called centering or contemplative prayer. I want to give you a background on it, and I want to let you know why it is unbiblical. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. Thank you for coming back this week. Uh, This week, what I want to do is I want to address this whole idea that has been popularized by folks like uh, Priscilla Shire and Beth Moore with reference to this practice that has come in, and it's been embraced by many Uh, evangelical Christians, as well as non-evangelical, but, you know, mainline denominational and even Roman Catholics. Uh, And it's this whole thing about centering or contemplative prayer. Is it biblical? And what on God's green earth is it? You know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, I, I was talking to some folks in church today. And when I mentioned names, there was one in the conversation that kind of raised the eyebrows and all and um, was very, very surprised. But it was very much promoted in a video that was produced by, I think it was either John Wimber or somebody along that line. And they're, they're from this, this third wave of Christianity that's coming in. It is known as New Apostolic Reformation, which I'll do a show on that one later on down the road, because that's uh, a movement that's very much in the, in the church, and it's very much non-biblical. And are, basically, they just believe in prophets, modern-day prophet, prophetic office, and um, the offices of apostle have been revived in this third wave of, of so-called revival. and But there's a lot of that in the New Apostolic Reformation, but it's also in one of the largest denominations in evangelical Christianity because of one of the uh, grand dames uh, that has basically left the Southern Baptist Convention, a woman by the name of Beth Moore. Uh, they're in this movie uh, called Be Still, taken, about, taken from uh, the Psalms, Be Still and Know That I Am God. But what is this whole idea of centering or contemplative prayer? That's what I want to uh, address today on the, on the Let's Get Real podcast. And basically, when we talk about something, you basically want to get behind the origin because folks, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, think there's any way that 
you know, we can really misunderstand this statement, is that the meaning behind anything is found in its origin. And this, this goes back to the Trappist monks. Trappist monks like William Menninger and Thomas Keating and Basil Pennington, they're generally recognized as the founders of this modern considering prayer movement, though in, in essence they would point to it being a rediscovery of the practices dating back to, say, like the 14th and 15th centuries and to an earlier 20th century Christian so-called writings of a Buddhist monk by the name of Thomas Merton. But this really started making a comeback, say, like in the early mid-70s. And publications were like the, the cloud of unknowing, uh, open mind, open heart by Thomas Keating, uh, the Love Search for God by William Manager, Centering Prayer, Renewing an Ancient Christian Prayer Form, and Centered Living, the Way the Centered Prayer, uh, the Way of Centered Prayer by Basil Pennington, and numerous other books and booklets that are out there, and even some websites that are devoted to this practice. Now, how do you know if your church is embracing or a small group is embracing something like this? And again, I'm going to explain to you why it's unbiblical, but some, from some, flash, um, some flash terms that you might want to keep your ears and your baloney detector tweaked up to. One is this thing called Lectio Divina. Another phrase is be like contemplation or contemplative or center or centering or sacred word or relax and relaxation. Meditation, and I'll explain what type of meditation we're going we're gonna, to, this, this deals with. It's not biblical meditation where you are uh, embracing a scripture and you're going and uh, meditating on that and filling your mind with it. It's something else totally different. Uh, another phrase is like uh, divine presence or divine union or interior silence or pure consciousness or transformation or transforming union or unloading the unconscious. Again, uh, the, uh, the history behind it is that it was popularized in the mid-70s by at uh, St. Joseph's Abbey in Spencer, Massachusetts as a result of the studies and practices of Trappist monks by the name of William Menninger, Thomas Keating, and Basil Pennington. According to Menninger and Keating, the abbot of St. Joseph's 1961 to 1981 in Pennington where this, and we quote, looking for a teachable form of Christian con contemplative meditation to offset the movement of young Catholics toward Eastern meditation techniques. This led to Keating's study of many Eastern teachings and practices, and he was inviting Eastern teachers like Buddhist monks, uh, a Zen Buddhist master by the name of Roshi Sasaki, and a former Trappist monk, who had become a transcendental meditation teacher, which is Hindu, uh, to create and provide retreats and training sessions for the monks at the Abbey. About these retreats, Keating wrote, exposure to these traditions as well as conversations with visitors to our monastery who had benefited from them naturally raised many questions in my mind as I tried to harmonize the wisdom of the East with the contemplation tradition of Christianity that I had been studying and trying to practice for 30 years. Now, during this same time frame, around 1974, Manager discovered, and this is a book 
called The Cloud of Unknowing in the Abbey Library. And he, as he read it, it was, he was delighted to discover that this anonymous 14th century book, remember, anonymous 14th century book, so you don't know who, what the worldview is of the person, okay? It, this book presented contemplative meditation as a teachable spiritual process enabling the ordinary person to enter and receive direct experience of union with God. What's the matter with scripture and regular prayer? Well, this is something going for deeper knowledge. And then there was a Newsweek article on spirituality that noted drawing on that work as well as the writings of the contemplatives like St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila and two monks, Manager and Keating, began teaching a form of Christian meditation that grew into a worldwide phenomenon known as centering prayer. So if you're an evangelical Christian, you are already maybe smelling where this is coming from. It is coming from the teachers of the East. It is coming from things that are antithetical to the biblical worldview. Critics of centering, of centering often point to its roots in, in, very, in similarities to the practices of Eastern religions, like, like I do. I mean, I look at this and I see um, um, uh, Hinduism, you know, transcendental, uh, transcendental meditation and, and Buddhist, uh, Buddhist prayers. Proponents generally claim it is as old as the church. For example, Keating writes, a positive attitude toward contemplation characterized with the first 15 centuries of the Christian era. Unfortunately, a negative attitude has prevailed from the 16th century. Pennington added, centering prayer is a gift of our Christian heritage, and it comes, from, comes to us from the earliest times and always found a place among us, albeit with different names and manners of presentation. Now, despite such attestations to the roots of the church, centering prayer as it is presently practiced cannot be disassociated from Eastern religious practice. Even Keating noted, is there something that we can do to prepare ourselves for the gift of contemplation instead of waiting for God to do everything? Sounds like he's a little anxious for, uh, to hear from God. All he needs to do is open up his word, and from his word, <laughs> his word speaks to us loud and crystal clear, folks. Okay? Um, he, says, he goes on to say, my acquaintance with Eastern methods of meditation has convinced me that there is, there are ways of calming the mind in the spiritual disciplines, careful phrase there because you hear that often, of both East and West that can help to lay the groundwork for contemplative prayer. And, and the whole thing of it is, you know, there's many people today who are jumping on this bandwagon, uh, particularly uh, when, when, it guard, when it's regarding some of the favorite Bible teachers jumping on this bandwagon, and then, of course, the little group he's following, on, following in their wake and going and saying, because this teacher does this, that means it must be okay without checking it, giving it the sniff test and the baloney detector going off. It just goes and shows me the baloney detector and the sniff test aren't working very well. Now, let's get back to the history a little bit here. Prior to, the becoming, prior to becoming Pope Benedict 
the 16th. Then Cardinal Ratzinger addressed some of the problems presented by such a view in the doctrinal letter issued in 1989. He said the following, With the present diffusion of Eastern methods of meditation in the Christian world and in the ecclesial, ecclesi, ecclesial communities, we find ourselves faced with a point of renewal of attempt which is not free from dangers and errors. To fuse Christian meditation with that which is non-Christian, some use, ease, some use Eastern methods solely as a psychophysical preparation for truly spiritual experience similar to those described in the writings of certain Catholic mystics. Now, Ratzinger's Endnotes cites the cloud of unknowing as an example, and he goes on further to say that these and similar proposals to harmonize Christian meditation with Eastern techniques need to have their contents and methods ever subjected to a thorough-going examination so as to avoid danger of falling into syncretism. Now, Ratzinger has that right. And it's interesting that you don't have any evangelicals right now at this point in time speaking out about it. Let me go on to say, now, concerning the erroneous ways of praying, Ratzinger also addressed the concept of emptying one's, emptying one's mind during prayer, or as he put it, those who, quote, try as far as possible to put aside everything that is worldly, sense-perceptible, or conceptually limited. Now, let me give you my illustration after I finish this here. And the appeal to Teresa of Avila for support of this practice stating, she perceptibly observed that the very care taken not to think about anything will arouse the mind to think a great deal. Now, let me explain this to you. If this is like Eastern meditation, and I'm going to throw yoga into this as well, okay? And what you're doing is you're emptying your mind of all thoughts. So it was kind of like in the movie Star Wars where, where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was training Luke with the Force. Empty your mind of all thoughts, Luke. You know, this is the empty your mind of all thoughts. Think of an illustration like this. And this is one of my favorite illustrations. You're driving in a busy city. I don't care if it's Chicago, New York, Oklahoma City, wherever you're listening to us. It could be downtown London. It could be uh, uh, Damascus, Syria. It could be anywhere. Okay? Doesn't matter. You're in a busy intersection. You're at a red light. You're the first car at the light. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you leave that car, leave the keys in the car, leave the car running and walk away from that car, never to return to it or think that it's going to be there when you return? Obviously, the answer to that is no. Why? Because somebody or something is going to steal that car. Something is going to steal, someone is going to steal your car because you left it running, left it unlocked, and let, and let it go at a light. But something can steal your soul and your mind in this practice. Though Centering Prayer began as a movement within Catholicism, there's not without non-Catholic devotees that are such popular authors, even like Brennan Manning, a former Roman Catholic monk, and Richard Foster, who promote 
centering contemplative prayer in their writings. Interestingly enough, Richard Foster not only embraces and promotes contemplative prayer, he at the same time considers it dangerous to the uninitiated. Why is that? He says, I need to give a word of warning. It is not for the novice. We are not all equally ready to listen to God's speech in his wondrous, terrible, gentle, loving, all-embracive silence. Now, think of that for just a moment. People are looking to have a conversation with God that is totally differently taught from Scripture. Folks, there is no new revelation today. And we need to understand that the canon is closed. The Bible is closed. God speaks through His Word. Now, He does use experiences, conversations that might prompt our psyche for, from something that has gone and um, maybe from a conversation or a, a sermon that we heard or something that always, it always retreats back to the Word of God, folks. But not this. Foster also added, he adds uh, uh, this precaution in the silent contemplation of God, we are entering deeply into the spiritual realm. Yep, you are. It should be noted, Foster considers the danger to be such that he encourages verbal, quote-unquote, prayers of protection prior to, quote, a time of non-verbal contemplation and supposedly higher form of prayer. This other supernatural guidance that Foster warns is a, a commonly attested to as coming from, quote, divine among practitioners of New Age and Eastern religions. Now, this is one of those reasons why we consider centering a contemplative prayer as a New Age practice in the church. One of the primary concerns that we are raising here about centering prayer is it is the basis in Eastern meditative practices. Proponents will argue against this and maintain that it is rooted in the Roman Catholic Church, or Roman Catholicism, or the tradition of Roman Catholicism. However, as Keating and others have acknowledged prior to developing the practice of centering, he was extensively involved in researching Eastern religions and their practices, particularly TM, or Transcendental Meditation, and Hinduism and Buddhism, for the purpose of advocating and incorporating them into the Roman Catholic Church. For example, Keating writes the following, In the mid-70s, I raised the following question to a monastic community. Could we put the Christian tradition into the form that would be accessible to people in active, active ministry today, to young people who have been instructed in an Eastern technique that might be inspired to return to their Christian roots if they knew there was something similar in the Christian tradition. Well, folks, let me tell you this. There is nothing similar in Eastern meditation and biblical meditation. There is nothing similar to Christianity and the Eastern religions. Pennington wrote also, this is something that's interesting, those in ministry or preparing for ministry should seek some experiential knowledge, 
some of our traditional ways they should also know experientially other traditions such as yoga, Zen, and insight meditation. Folks, these things are antithetical to the Christian faith. Meditation techniques such as practiced by adherents of the Eastern religions tend to have basic elements in common with one another in centering prayer as illustrated. I can go and share with you maybe a chart later on down the road and I'll let you know when I put that on my website. But basically what you're doing is you're sitting, you're doing a mantra and you're turning and basically navel gazing, turning in, looking inward instead of outward to what you're meditating on. And there's a certain amount of time practice what it is. Let me, let me give you the idea from the centering prayer. Centering prayer, uh, these things are found, let me say this, you know, the sitting and the mantra and the turning inward and the length of time that is done, these, these things are done in transcendental meditation. They're done in Hinduism and they're also done in Buddhism. Okay? Plain and simple. But what about centering prayer? Well, centering prayer contains the common elements of sitting, emptying one's mind, directed thoughts, or mental activity, looking inward, and utilizing a mantra or focused thought to keep the mind from thinking or wandering. Now, the following four components offered by Keating attest to this, as do the teachings of other centering or contemplative prayer proponents. Number one, choose a sacred word or Lectio Divina, divine word, as a symbol for your intention, your intention to consent for, to God's presence and action within. Comparable to a mantra, noted centering promoter Brennan Manning said the following. He says, what masters of the interior life recommend is a discipline of centering down throughout the day, a quiet, persistent turning to God. This description of how this is done is very much like that. And um, that, 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 that process is what I'm talking about there. And then he goes on to say this, the frequent repetition of the name of Jesus or Abba or Father throughout the day will prove helpful. Even a mechanical recitation of the name will suffice. Eventually it gets into your subconscious and transformation of mind and heart take place. Number two, sitting comfortably with the eyes closed, settle briefly and silently introduce the sacred word of the Lectio Divina as a symbol of your consent to God's presence in the action within. This is guided imagery. This is transcendental meditation. This is inviting something that is foreign. It is not inviting the God of the Bible. He says the, the following, Posture is very important, as many practitioners of the East believe, and the body contains energy, spheres, or chakras. Where does that chakra come from? Those are seven points on your spine, according to New Agers and Hindus, to, that you go and that go and um, surface what is called to try to make surface the kundalini or the serpent force. These things are unbiblical. And he goes on to say, properly aligned, bring in one, one in touch with the divine consciousness for one's own of one's own divinity? Really? This is similar to the teachings of noted centering prayer instructors, Jesuit priest Anthony DeMello, who recommends the lotus posture of yoga 
or keeping the back straight if he acknowledges it's important for Zen, in Zen meditation. On this same point, Pennington stated that when they, when they, the backbones are all lined up, the energy is freed. Well, sure it is. It's called the Kundalini. And the Kundalini is the serpent force in, in, in the new age in yoga. Number three, become your aware of thoughts and return ever so gently to the sacred word. And at the end, number four, the prayer period, remain in silence with eyes closed for a couple of minutes. Manning recommends these four steps. Contemporary spiritual masters recommend 22-minute periods of contemplative prayer every day. As this process indicates, it is not just Christian contemplatives that recommend this. It is Eastern meditative, transcendental meditative, med meditative practitioners. It is yoga practitioners. It is Buddhist practitioners and Hindu practitioners. The ultimate goal of each of these steps is to achieve and maintain and turn inward. Eastern religions teach that turn inward as well. It is for the purpose of reaching enlightenment or illumination, the realization that self as one perceives it does not exist. That's a concept of maya in, in Hinduism. Okay, And there is only the nothingness taught by some schools of Buddhism and the divine consciousness of all that is taught in many schools of Hinduism. Sri Swami Rama refers to this as a person realizing his, quote, essential nature and he abides in the state of pure consciousness. Let's wrap this up. In light of the background of the Centering Prayer movement, there should be little wonder of, that our concerns are raised by those of us who are against Centering Prayer. Terms like inner silence and pure consciousness and transformation union and unloading the consciousness, these are things that we are concerned about. The concern also that we have is compounded by how these terms are used. For example, Keating defines transformation as a restructuring of the consciousness in which the divine reality is perceived to be present in oneself and all that it is. Despite the protestations otherwise, it is difficult to believe that what he means is nothing more and that it is not more Eastern than Christian, especially when he states God and our true self are not separate. Let me say that again. Listen very carefully. This mystic says that God and our true self are not separate. Though we are not God, God and our true self are the same thing. See the gymnastics of this whole thing? That, folks, is heresy. That, folks, is unbiblical. And if you participate in centering prayer, this is what you are doing whether you realize it or not. You cannot turn this around and make it more sm smell like roses when you get a snoop full of sulfur from its origins. Okay? Let me give you a quick biblical response as we wrap this up. Those that are involved in centering prayer seek to support it with scripture. There's nothing scriptural about it. Their references are very vague allusions at best, leaving them to appeal to tradition and other practices from other religions to substantiate the claim. John Ankerberg and John Weldon, Weldon noted very well regarding so-called Christian meditation that utilizes Eastern methodologies. They say the following, 
We do not see Jesus in the New Testament sitting in a yoga position or encouraging people to practice yoga, Tai Chi, Aikido, or to the study of pagan, the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads, Latsu, and other teachings of Confucius and the Buddha. The purpose of biblical meditation is not to empty one's mind of thought. Instead, biblical meditation seeks to focus the mind on God's revealed word. God told Joshua to meditate on the book of the law day and night, Joshua 1.8. The Psalms, David, the king of Jerusalem and, and Israel at the time, spoke of his meditation on God's word. You can see this in Psalm 1-2, Psalm 119, verse 23, and verse 48, and Psalm 148. Actually, Psalm 119, verse 148. Meditation is not always focused on God's word, however. David meditated on the character and the works of the one true God. He focused on the precepts in Psalm 119.15. He focused on the wonders of, in Psalm 119, verse 27, the works of his hands, Psalm, his hands, Psalm 143, verse 5, and the glorious splendor of his majesty in Psalm 145 and verse 5. Folks, these beautiful truths filled David's mind as he meditated. On one occasion, recorded in Scripture, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, Luke chapter one, Luke chapter eleven, one through four, Matthew chapter six, seven through thirteen, Jesus gave very specific instructions. And here's what he said: Acknowledge the Father, recognize your needs, confess your sins, and your need for forgive and to forgive others. And be alert to the temptations that come to you, things that such cannot be found through emptying one's mind of all thoughts. Interesting. He also warns, warns Jesus also warns in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, to avoid the Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is, divine, is, is vain repetition. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, he also warns us to also avoid vain repetitions. Thank you for listening to the Let's Get Real podcast, the podcast arm of roblunberg.org. I hope you have enjoyed and I hope you grasped what we had to share with reference to this new age practice that has hit the church hard, fast, and continuously in many, many uh, areas of the church. But I want to let you know that it's unbiblical, and I hope you, you see from what we have shared with you that this is unbiblical. I know this has been a little bit lengthy as far as a podcast, but this is a very, very important subject that I think you all need to know about. And I, I pray that you have grasped it. If you haven't, go back, listen. If you do have a question, please go back and email me at roblunberg315. I have a profile from Watchman Fellowship, my friends down at Watchman Fellowship, where I got a lot of my material from. They have sources and everything on this, so if you want those sources, we'd be more than happy to get that to you. So until next week, as you go out this week, uh, you know, we just had daylight savings here in America, and uh, we're all uh, an hour ahead, but nevertheless, 
Uh, we are here to serve you. If you do have any questions, please email us at robludberg315 at gmail.com. Also, pray for our world religions class, of world Re apologetics to world religions at Cornerstone College in Fredericksburg, Virginia, where we reside. And uh, we got five students, and this is the first uh, time I'm going to be teaching an online course. I would ask that you pray for us. Also, uh, keep, uh, keep the students in prayer as they go through and navigate through the uh, course material. So until next week, this is Rob Lundberg from the Let's Get Real podcast at roblundberg.org. Go out and give them heaven, and we will be back with you next week. Lord bless. <laughs>